Welcome to the second ever Christmas episode of the Butts and Seats podcast. Is this the official Christmas episode? I guess it is the Christmas episode. Yeah, it'll come out right around there. I don't what? know if we're trying to squeeze another one into the uh, the current year, but this is definitely the Christmas one. You got your NPR voice on right now. I think, I think because it's Christmas. <laughs> NPR is only a Christmas thing. Apparently. What did we do for our Christmas episode last year? It was like uh, the, the Nitro after Starcade, I want to say. Star Arcade? Yeah. <laughs> Where Ric Flair won't control the company back and it's like, all right, it's a happy ending. Merry Christmas. It's a Butts in the Christmas podcast. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Congratulations. No, the, the name of the episode is what it is. It's episode number 36, The Great American Bash. No. 1999. That's too boring. Butts in the Christmas. <laughs> Maybe next year. What are you drinking for your festive Christmas cocktail tonight, Nick? Uh, hot chocolate with... Uh, various alcohol in it. Oh, what else did you put in it? I just saw you put the creme de cacao. And screwball. Oh, okay. I'm having a spiked eggnog. My first one of the season. I'm very excited. It's very tasty. Yeah, it is currently mid-December for us. It's not quite actual Christmas yet, so... It's we, close enough. We have no uh, update on what, it got, on what we got each other. The tree is up. The garland's up. We're selling Kinda. Christmas-themed drinks at the cafe that I work at. It's Christmas. I will be editing this uh, the week before Christmas. Tis the season. So as mentioned, this is the Great American Bash 1999. Coming to you straight from good old Beemore. Yeah, just down the road from us. Baltimore, baby. In what at this point is the Baltimore Arena in modern day, it is the Royal Farms Arena. Yes. Which, quality chicken. Absolutely. If you, okay, this is going to spark a debate, but like in the, in the great gas station wars between Wawa and Sheets... I'm upset that Royal Farms is not a contender in that because they have great coffee. Like, I love coffee and I will go to them for coffee in the morning. They have great chicken. Like, we go to the fucking gas station for dinner on a semi-regular basis. Don't put it like that. But it's such good chicken. Actually, all the ones we go to aren't gas stations. (laughs) Convenience store. And they have quality stations. They're always clean and great. I think they should be in the the great gas station debate of the East Coast. Justin Tucker agrees. Yes, he does. So this is... This is from June 13th, 1999. You've heard of Christmas in July. What about Great American Bash at Christmas? (laughs) They say that this is the kickoff to the summer season, too. Summer hasn't started yet. Yeah. Summer starts on the 21st. This is too... This isn't... This is before... This is... This is before summer starts. Not really kicking it off if summer doesn't start for another week. Summer starts June 1st in my brain. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Let's get into the wrestling rather than a weird debate on on seasons of the year. (laughs) It's the solstice and the equinox. That's not a debate. That's science. So we start in weird fashion, because of course we do. A white limo arrives, in a lot of quotes, because (laughs) the bay door behind them is closed. So clearly they just, like, move it a foot. There you go. It's here. They kind of just, like, wiggle it. They don't even, like, move it, really. They just kind of wiggle the car. So out of the limo comes Master P and the No Limit Soldiers. Except it's not really well advertised like it's not narrated they didn't say he was going to be here so if you don't know yeah. who master p is it's just like all right which which, which guy's the important one and it's like oh yeah it's the first one the last one because they also give it like a good camera shot to the first one which is his bodyguard big swole that's his name i missed that yes i think technically it's just swole because there is a current wrestler called yes. big swole and i'm like wait it was sad because like at the beginning of this the show when master p gets out I have absolutely no idea who Master P is. Shocker, I'm a little white girl. I don't know who Master P is. I thought he was part of the black and white. (laughs) 
I thought he was like somebody from the NWO that I was like I had forgotten about. And they're like, oh, it's Master P. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. So Kurt Henning approaches the group and is like, oh, you know, I I love rap. It's great. I'm I'm all rowdy rowdy and bowdy bowdy. <laughs> and I was like convinced they were gonna like just assassinate his character and just being like, oh, now there's a celebrity. Oh, I love rap. And then he gets an autograph CD and he goes, oh, I'll tell you what I think of it. And then smashes it up. I'm like, okay. I was really worried they were just going to have him be a loser sellout who's like, oh, wait, a celebrity's here? Oh, now I like rap. I could see that being his character, though. Eh. Maybe down the line, but like he's so deep into the rap as crap. Which we're he, on that later. He's so deep into the rap as crap right now, they couldn't have done that. Like, this this is right. Like, this is one thing that this show got right was like this storyline, I guess. But yeah, Well, I would say more on rap as crap later. <sighs> We then get an opening video package, which is just all Kevin Nash and Randy Savage, including the White Hummer scene. They love that scene. And the limo. After that, we get the opening pyro, which looked real rinky-dink, and like there was a <laughs> shot where it was meant to be going off. A lot of Dutch angles with the uh, entrances and, you know, glamour shots tonight. Maybe they were trying to just make it look slightly better, because there were a lot of set issues and pyro issues. Yeah, weird looking set, just like large, like kind of curtain wall and then just a couple stands up it, it was kind of lame looking i mean it's appropriate for it to be in the inner harbor being rinky dink looking and really underwhelming and kind of sketch yeah <laughs> so we're back to a three-man booth tonight we got bobby heenan mike today and tony shivani yeah they're they're good together tonight i don't remember no. any points where i was like Ugh. no i do oh do you <laughs> Like right at the beginning, um, Tony. Sh- well, you you laughed it apart later, where they like talk over each other, and Larry Zbysko jumps in, and Larry's not funny. there. Mike tonight. Oh, sorry, Mike tonight. Where, jumps in. It was funny. Yeah, where Tony keeps complaining about being interrupted. Tony starts being talking. Li- Can I just rant about Tony Shivani in this episode though? He is such a little princess on commentary. If he is not the one talking, he doesn't want anything to do with anything that anybody else is saying. And if you, God forbid, have a conversation with him, he will fight you. If you talk over him, he will bury you. I'm like, dude, you're part of a team here. Like, shut the fuck up, man. I don't want to hear your voice. I was getting really tired of him. I tuned them out pretty early this episode. Well, the only notes you missed from this, and one of them actually is a big deal. Mike Tanay kind of puts over Master P. It's like, oh, man, it's a really big deal he's here, which I think maybe that's more what Eric Bischoff was talking about with the Tommy Way Records thing, where we're going to incorporate music, like bringing in but musicians th- and doing like an angle with them and their entourage okay maybe i guess i could see that i wish that they had performed i didn't want to see master p perform necessarily but if they're going for a music angle it would have made more sense to have them for them to have like a performance of like one or two songs bobby heenan puts over randy savage like yeah this man is fucking dangerous and then out of nowhere mike tonight is like oh yeah by the way kevin nash wanted the elbow drop reinstated so that storyline's dead yeah that was really kind of out of nowhere just like yeah i remember that whole storyline we did last week with uh rick flair kind of losing his mind that doesn't matter no it was a couple weeks ago and then savage did it while it was banned and then it's not unbanned it literally nothing happened with nothing happened but like we it that was such like a big storyline and it was just written off in one sentence on commentary. It wasn't a big storyline. It was. They were. They it kept coming have, back to it. It could have been a big storyline. They kept hammering at home. When the guy does the move anyway and there's no repercussion, it's not a big storyline. Okay, fair. But it was a big storyline like in the terms of that's what Ric Flair's talking point was for a, a couple episodes at least. Or at least uh, one. Two segments. Was it only that much? Yeah. I feel like it was way more. No, he banned it and then the next week he's like, it's banned, right? Like, yeah. 
Okay, okay that segment, the like, it's banned, right? Yeah, who banned it? You banned it. That that segment went so long. I guess I count it as more than one segment. That was such a ridiculous moment in time. We then get a different opening package of all the matches here tonight. And they're actually in order. It was kind of helpful, if I'm being honest. Well, there, there was an additional match that just came out of nowhere that wasn't on here. But everything else is in order. So our first match of the night, which is the first in that package, is Brian Nobbs versus Hack in a kendo stick hardcore match. We got Jimmy Hart coming out with Brian Nobbs and Chastity coming out with Hack. Brian Nobbs notes that it's Mrs. Nasty's birthday. And both of them are like, is that his mom or his wife? He says that it's Mrs. Nasty's birthday. And I'm going to bring home a win for you, baby. And I think we were both on the lines of like, oh, it's his mom. And then he said baby. And we're like, wife? Baby? Because <laughs> I was reading it as like, you know, Oedipus? Mrs. Foley's baby boy, you know. And they said baby. And I'm like, Mick Foley has never called his mother baby. <laughs> So as part of the promo, Nobbs also was like, all right, let's let's not do this with, with the weapons. Let's just do it with our hands. That's real hardcore. Which you're right. But okay, first of all, this is not just a hardcore match. This is a kendo stick match. Keep that in kendo mind. Kendo stick hardcore match. Kendo stick being the operative word. Kendo stick. So I think I realized why I'm more forgiving on these than the Nigerian drum match. <laughs> Nigerian drum match. Because this is just Dave Penzer announcing it. It's not like, here's a massive build where we're putting over this part of it. It's just like, okay. No, you're right. In terms of that, the Nigerian drum match, literally they brought out drums to like encircle the ring and then didn't use them. This, they're calling it a kendo stick match. But like, even so, if it's in the name, it should be like the main weapon of, of like use in the match. Because the match starts and Nobbs is trying to get Hack to get rid of his kendo stick. And then just blindsides to Hack with a trash can and then works him over with the can and the lid. This was a really cool move, though. Because, like, Jimmy Hart, I think, sh- honestly, in hindsight, should have been my MVP. Yeah. Because of how he was in this match. It was amazing. So Brian Nobbs was in the ring looking at Hack being like, yo, man, let's start this off with just our hands, whatever. And as Hack is turning around to put down the kendo stick... Jimmy Hart throws the can up. Nobbs grabs it so gracefully and throws it at Hack. It was so beautifully done. And that continued to happen throughout this match with chairs, with a ladder at one point, I think with a kendo stick eventually, where Jimmy Hart was just throwing stuff in so gracefully, just lobbing it over the ropes. And Nobbs was grabbing him. Like, it was beautiful. And he should have been my MVP. Like, I I might change it at this oh, point. Wow. Now that I'm thinking about like it and we're talking no- about it. Billy noticed Jimmy Hart. It was so graceful. That's good, though. You're not supposed to notice him, but, like, the fact that he was so graceful with all of his weapons, beautiful. We get Pity City to Hack, followed by more trash can shots. They called it a putrid pit stop. Yeah, I'm wondering if Pity City is uh, trademarked. Would it have been from, like, another company? WWF. Oh, okay. Potentially. The putrid pit stop just sounds grosser. That's followed by more trash can shots, and Nobbs grabs a chair, but Hack kicks it into Nobbs' face. Hack tosses a ladder in the ring and then hits a slingshot leg drop onto the ladder on knobs. It's like, ow. Yeah. Is this when he like sandwiched his leg in the ladder? No, it was a bit later. Okay. That was cool though. Hack then sets the ladder in the corner and because he set it up, he gets tossed into it. Of course. Knobs works over Hack with the ladder and various trash cans. <laughs> Thrown to him by Jimmy Hart. We do actually get a couple Let's Go Hack chants. We do. So I'm like, okay. They, they haven't given up on him. At least I, the audience hasn't. I think that's just still goodwill from... Being the Sandman, I'm like, Baltimore's not too far from 
you know, Jersey and Philly. And oh, like, I would not be surprised why? at all if there was a big ECW following in Baltimore. It's very I don't Baltimore. Know about big, but I think there's a. I would. I would not be shocked if there was a loyal fan base for ECW in Baltimore. We had a swanton attempt, but it ends in Hack landing on only the ladder. Jimmy Hart holds up a chair, but Hack tosses knobs headfirst into it, and then hits a headshot with the kendo stick, which he catches from Chastity. And gets the win. This was the most beautiful use of a kendo stick. Yeah, it was. It was such a swift swing. Just bam. Yes, it was the most beautiful use of a kendo stick. Granted, I wish there were more kendo sticks in this match because it's a fucking kendo stick match. But this is a beautiful way to end it. Oh yeah, I I did like that. They made it feel like Hack is so dangerous with the kendo stick. He literally just needs one shot and he wins. Yeah. It, and that's great for the character of Hack. Like, it's effectively the, the big hammer from Super Smash Bros. So almost immediately after the match, Hugh Morris then runs in and attacks Hack with knobs, including a no-laughing-matter to a ladder on Hack, and then a diving trash can shot to the ladder on Hack from knobs. And they talk to the camera, and like, we're reforming the first family. Can you tell me what the first family is? It's just a Jimmy Hart stable of guys. Okay. Yeah, like, there was the Heenan family. Which okay. is just the wrestlers he managed. It's kind of the group Jimmy Hart managed. There's no real... The first family. Yeah, I couldn't really find any rhyme or reason between the guys in there. I guess we did just kind of lose a stable. So we need another one? With the horsemen? Eh, that's two very different holes yeah, to fill. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking about like groups of guys. Like right now we have the black and white and Wolfpack. Thoughts on the match? I like this match. I did like this match too. I'm just not all that into... Brian Nobbs, but I think he hangs out for a while. I'm not into Brian Nobbs, but I'm into Jimmy Hart and I'm into Hack. Actually, I take that back. I'm into Brian Nobbs matches because when he's in the match, you can't just come down in the last 5% and interfere and ruin yeah, the match. Yeah, that's true. So, you know what? Put him in every match. <laughs> that's true. He does make himself seen. Then go backstage and we get Buff Bagwell approaching Roddy Piper. Buff implies that Piper booked Buff versus Disco for tonight. And I'm like, wait, but you're not president. How are you booking anything? Didn't you literally, he This was a match on Nitro that just randomly is happening again. And yeah, but how did he get the match on Nitro? I thought it was the same way. No, they just were arguing and it suddenly became a match. Because Buff was in street clothes for that match. Oh, okay. Well, very memorable, clearly. Piper walks away annoyed and is just saying, like, oh, you know, I gotta love kids. It's like Ah, kids. Love kids. <laughs> oh, you got kids, Maniac? Nah, not anymore. After that, we get our purely unadvertised match because say what you will about Buff versus Disco, it was at least made the opening package. It wasn't sure. advertised beforehand. This didn't even make the opening package. It's yeah, Mikey Whipwreck was... versus Van Hammer. This was quite the squash match. Not, not a bit, but like Mikey gets too much offense for it to be a squash match. I didn't think he got he didn't get enough like meaningful offense. But also, Van Hammer just kind of destroys him for eight minutes. Mikey Whipwreck, where you been? True. Him and his gas station t-shirts. Yeah, I'm just remembering when we talked about him previously. He had a good match. Bret Hart tells him, you're probably fucked. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not wrong. So, match starts. Bobby Heenan points out what I noticed, and that Mikey Whipwreck is wearing knee pads over his boots. Yeah, like, as he came out, you said something like, what's going on with his pads? And then, like, almost immediately, commentary points it out. Early on, Whipwreck gets overpowered twice, and then hits two arm drags. A third gets turned into a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. On commentary, Mike today asks, who drove the White Hummer? They then have a lengthy discussion how it makes sense for literally anybody to be driving the Hummer. It's like, you know, they, 
basically, we can go in any direction we want with this story, and it will make sense. Yeah. It'd be it, nice it, to get an ending to that story, wouldn't it? It made me so mad. Wouldn't it be nice? They mention it a lot in the show, too. I, I like how Eric Bischoff, just, to this day, is just like, yeah, oh, it didn't matter. Yes, we, it we did! Didn't ha- we didn't have a plan. It's like, well, then, don't... It'd be different if they weren't talking about it, and it was yeah. uh, it was just us going, oh, we want to know. It's like... If it was just the one-off segment that's just like, oh, that's scary. Anyway, moving on. Never mention it again. Fine. But they're bringing it up on commentary. A lot. A lot of scoop slams in this match. Yeah. I felt like it. We do get boring chance, which prompts a stalling superplex. Like, ooh, that's mm, nice Which move. was a cool stalling superplex. Doesn't really get much of a reaction. It was just like, made them stop where they're like, okay. I guess that okay, was good. fine. No more boring, I guess. But you're not getting cheers out of me. As much as we love Baltimore, they were not. A oh, good this is crowd. a terrible crowd tonight. <laughs> they did not show up. They actually have a chant in one match that makes me dislike the match, but we'll get to that one. Van Hammer hits a leg drop, gets a two. He then tries to do his abdominal stretch spot where he like grabs the ropes, which he tried last week and like kind of fucked it up. And here he's too close to the ropes. Where he's trying to pull them for leverage, but he's so close that it clearly can't add anything else. Yeah. Because how do you pull something that's that close to you? Was this the point where he was blatantly grabbing the ropes and Nick Patrick was pretending not to see it? Yeah, they were doing that last week too. Although it was was better last week. Yeah, this was a lot more obvious and blatant. And like throughout this show, there's a theme of referees are idiots. In WWF, there is a theme of referees being glass. But WCW has idiot referees. There is a difference. Yeah. This match goes for quite a while. Like you said earlier, like it goes eight minutes. Like it's long for what it's trying to be. It's funny because like that in a sentence is not a long match. Eight minutes is not a long match. We've watched 20 minute, 40 minute matches, but this feels so long. I think you said when we were watching it, like we could have put that in double speed and gotten the same effect. Yeah. On the outside, Van Hammer sets up like the ring steps against the barricade, like picks up Mikey Whipwreck, goes up top there, and it's like, what's going to happen here? And then he just like d- drops Whipwreck kind of across the barricade. Sort of, like, kind of, not really. It was like, oh, that was unimpressive. Yeah. Woo! What a match. Whipwreck tries to come back, including a diving clothesline, but gets caught on a second. Hammer then gets him out, hits a Cobra Cut. Sh- gets him out. Hits a Cobra Clutch Slam and gets the win. I think I actually put in my notes, titties. Yeah, I do something with Van Hammer or don't at this point. They're like, it feels like they're pushing him, but then they just don't. Well, we for you to actually be pushing him, you need to have him beat somebody that matters. You yeah. can't pull Mikey Ripwreck, who hasn't been on, you know, meaningful TV in like three months and just go, oh yeah, he beat him. This is a big deal. Yeah. Have him face somebody that matters. Who would you want to see him face? No one, but... Well, if he were getting a push and you could, like, look at that match and be like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to do something with Van Hammer, who would you have him face? Okay, well, there's different levels of that where, like, fucking bring back Wrath, have him beat Wrath. Like, oh, shit, you know, we have a new toy now. Yeah, I could see him going against, like, Raven, too. Yeah, Raven, again, not here tonight. Not even mentioned here tonight. No, or Goldberg. Goldberg wasn't mentioned. Yeah, but that's at least in keeping. Raven was in a storyline, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, well... What a match. Good times. What's your score? I, I, I choose not to vote. <laughs> Which, uh, speaking of what a match, next up we get the Disco Inferno versus Buff Bagwell. What a match. 
on the way to the ring, they keep cutting to this one like hot chick in the crowd dancing. And I think Disco notices because he goes over and dances with her on the way down. I miss that. And I'm like, didn't we just do this? And Buff won. Like, why are we doing it again? So I initially thought that Buff was going to lose in this match. Like, my prediction it was that Disco sense. Inferno was going to win because Buff Bagwell was being such a little shit and he was, like, having this whole thing with Roddy Piper that Roddy Piper wasn't really all that into that was like, yo, if I win this match, you got to win your match against Flair and then we're going to run this company together or whatever the hell he said. It would have made a lot of sense, storyline-wise, if Buff lost. Spoiler, he doesn't. Which... Also, it's like, you do this match on Nitro, and then you do it again with the same result. It's like, oh, okay, Buff is just better. Got it. I thought I already knew that, but apparently... Right. No, you didn't. I need to be reminded. No must ha- have forgotten. No hat for Buff. Good. Big booze for Disco. I guess I was wrong about that potential face turn. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by the booze. They were out strong for mm-hmm. him. Like, Jesus. Disco hits a swinging neckbreaker and then taunts a bunch and just kind of gets away with it. Like, that's almost always a, oh, he danced for too long, and then he got caught. This is just like, he danced a ton, and then like, oh, I guess I'm done dancing, and just goes back on offense. Yeah. Like, happens like three times in this match, too. Buff signals for a blockbuster, so Disco backpedals out of the ring. It's like, no, I've seen this. That was cool. So I liked that. That kind of made it seem like Disco is not an idiot. He sees what's coming. He's like, whoop, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Buff does the Disco dance and then flips off Disco. <laughs> For some reason, I have no idea why, Tony Schiavone then gives a shout out to all the recent high school graduates watching Great yeah, American Bash. That was weird. Like, it, I almost I almost thought they were going to go into like a specific high school, like somebody paid for a sponsor moment or something. Yeah. I was ready for that to be like, congratulations, Arundel High School class of 1999. Bobby then tells the dropouts to to start learning the phrase, do you want fries with that? Which I resent. <laughs> Disco does a bunch of taunting on Brett's rope and then just still hits the diving elbow. It's like, yeah. Buff, move. Wait. I don't know. Like, there was just no rhyme or reason in this match. Nobody was making any sense. Disco then has to go up top to do it again because I think Buff was supposed to move, I think. Oh, you think it was a botch? I'd, botch is relative. But considering they do this spot immediately again yeah. and it buff moves, it's like, oh, okay. On commentary, Bobby Heenan then says, you know, I think Buff screwed up. He should have stayed with uh, Scott Steiner. Steiner kicked him to the curb. It wasn't Buff leaving. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. Scott broke up with him. Disco hits the last dance, like a stunner, out on the floor. <laughs> and it's like, oh, crap. He hit his finisher. and like, Yeah, but out on the, on the yeah. outside. Yeah, they, they then go back inside. Buff starts to come back. Does a does the the shit strut? Is that what you're calling it? The shit strut? Yeah, it's just that isn't the full name. I'm just it's like describing. It's a weird it. strut because it's not really a strut, but it's not really a dance. I don't know. Buff then goes for a blockbuster a third time, but Disco like drops down when he goes to dive. Buff doesn't dive and um, catches him with the blockbuster when he gets back up, which is a nice little spot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I dodged it. Oh shit, no. Right. So that's the blockbuster, and Buff gets the pin. So I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it there felt... were some there were some cool moments. Yeah, it did feel a little long watching it. I remember, yeah. but didn't feel long going through it there versus Van Hammer even yeah. talking about it felt long. It didn't feel as long as that one. I don't know the timestamp for it, but you know, yeah, it wasn't bad. No, it didn't feel as long, which is you know props. So match number th- four, Jesus, we're on the fourth match. Wow. 
Look at us go. Not a lot of extra tonight. No, there's really not very many backstage segments. No in-ring. Are there any in-ring promos? No. That's wild. No Mean or, Gene. Uh, there's kind of an in-ring promo post-match for one of them. Yeah, but no Mean Gene. No. So our fourth match is Kurt Hennig and Bobby Duncombe Jr. versus Rey Mysterio and Conan. It is the battle of the bands. We get a video package for this and... It doesn't have music, which just feels weird. It makes all the cuts feel really rigid. Yeah, it does. This is when you first pointed out that like there wasn't a background music or anything, and it was strange. I think you pointed out later, too. Well, I think you put it out when, like, oh, when this one does. On, yeah. So I want to play something for Emily real quick, because Bobby Duncan Jr. and Kurt Hedding come out to rap his crap. The song that Nick has been hyping up for me for weeks. Like, it's a bop. Yeah, I think it might have, like, mildly made the charts. Which... Did what? Okay, it's not that good. There's no key. They The singers don't yeah, know they, what they're saying. They really is it actually, do. is it Krenic? Yeah. Yeah, they can't sing. They do leave him out to dry, too. <laughs> it's a bop because the song itself is a bop, not because the vocals are good. Listen, it's better than a bunch of stuff on, uh, oh, God, I forget what album it is. The WWF album where you have, like, the Dudley boys doing a, we had enough. And uh, uh, Stacy Keeler does like, why don't we just dance? It's probably better than, it's less problematic than Pie by The Rock. Oh, it's definitely less problematic. It's sad that it was so funny in the 90s. Because now it's like, holy shit. If this guy runs for president, he's going to get r- hung out to dry. So Ray Mysterio and Conan come out to what I'm pretty sure is a new theme for Conan. <laughs> and we both pointed it out too. We're like, is this a new theme? They also come out in gas masks again. And Conan is rocking a, like, red and black, mostly red, like, suspenders outfit, which made us ask... Who's that Pokemon? It feels like it's been so long. I feel like... It, it, did we do it? Did we not do it last week? No, we didn't do it last week. Okay. It feels like it's been a long time. So I, I'd like to go first on this one. Go for it. So... He's rocking the red with a little bit of black, and he's wearing gas masks, so he can't be poisoned. And in Pokemon, Steel-type so steel type Pokemon cannot be hit with poison-type moves, so he is Scizor. I also got to Scizor, but not from that, that plot. Like, when, we, when I said, hey, Nick, let's do who's that Pokemon, Nick just looked at me with this big, stupid grin on the couch, and he's just like, I got it, man. You're so fucking proud of yourself. Mm. I was also... Okay, so Scizor, I agree. I was also thinking Ariados. Yeah, we... I wish there was more yellow in... Um, we used Ariados before for... It might have been Ray. Maybe. But just... Okay, the, but just the, the face masks really made them look like bugs, which is why I wanted to do Who's That Pokemon. Well, Scizor is also a bug type. It's I know. It's bug steel. I know. I think he's the one that I had in my head. I Like, as soon as they came out, I was like, I've got one. But then I was scrolling through Bulbapedia and I saw Ariados and I was like... That could work. Scizor, I really wanted to use in my uh, Brilliant Diamond uh, playthrough. But it just wasn't meant to be. I caught other Pokemons. Did you ever catch a Scizor? Oh, yeah. I was tra- using them for a while. And I was like... I don't think I've come across one yet. I'm no. I on, like, the third you have to uh, You have to catch a... Technically speaking, Scizor is in your Pokedex because I had to use your help to evolve Scyther. <laughs> you have to trade him You have to trade him with a metal code. But a rare oh. one where, where we agree. Oh, yeah. We get the regular Conan promo. Ray then grabs a mic and uh, does a hootie-hoo to the No Limit Soldiers. I love Ray Mysterio so much. 
he should not talk. Every time, every time I hear a hootie hoo, I just think of the scene from Neighbors. Oh my god, they're hootie hooing. Are they hootie hooing? Oh god, they're hootie hooing. The faces take it to the heels early on, and then they regroup on the outside. Hennig tries to do something with the No Limit soldiers, but they don't have enough charisma to make shit work. So they just kind of stare at him until Master P just eventually slaps him. I just don't think they understand what's happening. Do you think that those guys are wrestling fans? No. So I don't think they understand what's going on. I think they thought that they were coming to something more along the lines of like boxing or MMA. And they're seeing all this like cartoony shit. And they're like, what the fuck are we sitting in? I don't know how confused they were versus how much they just didn't care and were being paid a fuck ton of money. That could be it too. You're right. I always forget about the money. I think this is where I noticed both faces are wrestling in like full suspenders again. And I'm like, why? Oh, yeah. Like the overall sort of thing? Yes. They don't get it. I don't know. It's a look. It's the aesthetic. Yeah, overalls, not suspenders from earlier. I guess I kept calling them suspenders. Yeah, they're overalls. They're like painters overalls. They're big and baggy. You get a big powerbomb from Duncan DeRay. Then Henning tags in and works over Ray for a while. Conan gets a hot tag, which doesn't really get much of a reaction, but the referee misses it, as does commentary. Yeah. So the ref then gets Conan out of the ring, and they like kind of address it, but it's like it's really flat. Yeah, this was supposed to be like a big moment because they do it again. It was supposed to be like a three or like a, a rule of three sort of thing, but it kind of does get minimized when it's not noticed the first time. Yeah, because the heels also do a bunch of like old school heel tag moves, and the ref is meant to not see them, but keeps like turning the wrong way you know how like it's like oh you should never like turn your back to the audience yeah he keeps facing open towards the illegal moves but then has to just keep turning his head like oh i didn't see it oh that's weird two of you were in the ring oh sorry i'm already i'm already past it (laughs) odd anyway moving on crowd is completely dead for this which is so sad because like usually these kind of tag matches at least get something although i was pretty on the mark with guessing that majority of tag matches with ray and conan was going to be Ray getting beat down for 90% and then Conan comes in at the end. Oh my god, yeah. To say that Ray Mysterio carries their tag team is an understatement. We get a sad moment of Hennig does a little Rick Rude taunt and then just points up because Rick Rude passed away within like within the month. Yeah. It might have even been more recent it than that. It was sweet. Yeah, I was like, oh, now I'm just sad. Yeah, it was sweet. I'm glad they like they pointed that out on commentary and that was good. So Ray manages to sneak over to Conan and makes the tag, but the ref misses it, apparently. like Again. There wasn't really a real reason for this one. This one was really blatant and really obvious, and again, the ref is just stupid. Ray tries for a springboard acai moonsault, but gets caught, but manages to reverse the counter and then makes the tag. The face is clean house to like a weird, flat reaction. Mm-hmm. Conan hits a face buster on headache and the two brawl on the outside, while... All of a sudden, Barry Windham comes out. We haven't seen him in a while. Also wearing That's work true. gloves for some reason. Yeah, did we ever figure out why he was wearing work gloves? No. Yeah, did not leave a fingerprints? <laughs> he fights Conan on the outside. Ref, I guess, doesn't see it. Big Swole, Masterpiece bodyguard, comes in and shoulder tackles Duncan. Ray then hits a vaulting leg drop and gets the win. Ray was not the legal man. This entire match was building up him giving the hot tag to Conan, mm-hmm. and then Ray just gets the win anyway. Yeah. But, like, it's fine, because that referee is such an idiot that they don't care. So then security comes out, because the, the Big Swallow is brawling, and then No Limit Soldiers hop the guardrail, and they escort out the entire, like, No Limit Soldiers and Master P and Big Swallow, and just leave 
Wyndham Hedding and Duncan to like beat down and yeah. hogtie Ray and Conan. Hogtie, which was weird. I don't like. I just don't like watching people hogtie other people. I just don't think it's something that I enjoy. So the West Texas Rednecks lose, but they end up standing tall. What'd you call them? The West Texas Rednecks. That's what they will go on to be called. Oh, okay. Even though Kurt Hedding is from Minnesota. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. This was boring, followed by a mess. Yeah. It was really boring, unfortunately. How do you feel about rap, though? I hate rap. The problem that I have with that line is you actually sang it in a melody. They sing, I hate rap. They don't give a note to that last word. Yeah, true. They hate rap. They just speak it. It's annoying. You know, this... I guess it's a good time to mention, Zanny. Like, this show didn't feel like a super slog to get through. Just a lot of nothingness. It felt like a mid-tier nitro it didn't feel like a, a pay-per-view like i think i said i think i i think i said this the last time we watched a pay-per-view it didn't feel like a pay-per-view it just felt like well, another episode of nitro i say that but then this is but the next match is one that i have virtually no notes for because i could not be bothered to pay full attention the clown music hits and that can mean only one thing yeah it is time for the advertised the cat he's not even Ernest Miller. he's just the cat <laughs> With Sonny Ono versus Scott Norton. Cat comes out, black and white music hits, and Horace Hogan comes out. Which it took me a second to realize that that wasn't Scott I Norton. Fuck it. I fucking, I should have <laughs> known. Jesus Christ, Emily. It took me a good like 30 We're seconds. We are 36 episodes in. <laughs> I know. How do you not know who Hulk Hogan's dead brother's son is at this point? I don't know. Like, he came down the ring. I was like, oh, I guess I thought Scott Norton looked different. Okay. And then commentary was like, is that Horace? I was like, oh, that's why he looks different. So he wants the match and, like, tries to kind of be, like, face to the crowd. It was a weird, like, yeah, cheer for me. I'm Horace Hogan. And he was like, no. Well, he was trying to come down being, like, the martyr, basically. Being like, I saw you, the cat, cheating last week with that crowbar. Rah. Well, it was against him. It wasn't, it wasn't really a martyr was, kind of I thought thing. it was against Scott. Jesus, no. Fuck! <laughs> They did the thing with Scott like two or three weeks ago. Okay, in my head, the reason that... Okay, let me just give you my thought process. You just process. skipped the entire build to Great American Bash. <laughs> I you're was like, here. You're like no. a lot of the listeners. You don't even listen to the, <laughs> the episodes. You you just go to the paper and you just go, all right, this one. In my head, the reason that this match happened as opposed to Scott Norton was because like the cat turned... Or the cat cheated in his last match with Scott Norton. Which he also did. And Horace Hogan took it personally because he cheated on, on his buddy. I was like, you're not going to play my boy like that. I'm going to fight you. No, so I thought it was a revenge thing. Well, it was for himself. I thought it was a revenge thing for his buddy. Well, here's the thing. Scott Norton originally had the match because of the exact same story. <laughs> and Horace Hogan went, no, nah, I think I'll take that story. Thanks. <laughs> so They're the same person. So the cat doesn't want to face Horace Hogan. He wants to face Scott Norton, which I'm like, Six okay. of one, half dozen of the other. Well, like, no. They try to put over Scott Norton as being like dangerous. But the cat is very reasonable. He's like, Scott Norton, I will give you three minutes to get out here. It's like, that's, that's a fair amount of time. The arena's big. You might need a minute. So Horace then tells the cat, like, you couldn't even beat yourself off if you know what I mean. <laughs> Which then prompts this to be a match. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, God. Wow, my whole reasoning for this match just really... A any notes on the match before we go to the finish? The fucking shoe? Yeah, The confusing no. finish? So... For context, Ernest Miller is, oh, sorry, the cat, 
is wrestling with just like taped up feet, like not a shoe. Yeah, kind of very um, martial arts because so, he's a he's a black belt. Yeah, he's karate? a karate master. Yeah, kind karate of master. So on the outside, Sonny Ono puts the shoe on the cat. It's very sneaky to do so. But it's a bright red loafer. Yeah, it's like a dancing shoe. Yeah. The cat then hits a kick with the shoe on, and then like tosses it to the outside like it's illegal. It's a shoe. I mean, who throws a shoe? Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> he then gets the pin, and after the match, puts the shoes on as they're his dancing shoes. And a cape. Yes, Odo puts a cape on him. I don't know where that came from. But it very quickly left. He like he did like one little shimmy in the cape and just tossed it off. No, he left with it. No, he didn't. He definitely did. He was in the ring without the cape after the cape had been put on him. Well, Horace then kind of clears him from the ring, and that's the segment. That's it. <laughs> What? Yeah, I, I have nothing for this actual. This match could have gone 17 minutes and I would not have known it. <laughs> like, the match itself was so basic for both of them. It was a very standard NWO match, a very standard cat match. Like, nothing special. And then the fucking shoe. I just don't get it. Why oh. is the shoe a weapon? I don't know. Commentary tries to quickly move on to a Flare and Piper package. Again, no music. Yeah. As, as part of the package, though, it includes uh, Piper referring to his mystery tag team as the Phantom Menace, <laughs> which the team ended, still funny. the team ended up being Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, and I just laughed trying to picture either of them playing Jar Jar Binks. <sighs> He's called Jar Jar Binks, Stop! the best technical wrestler in all of Naboo. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to stop. <laughs> I've blocked out too many Jar Jar lines to keep the bit going. <laughs> you're done you know the more I think about it you could probably easily swap Dean Malenko for Liam Neeson in that movie and it would not change a thing <gasps> with how right. stoic that man is I could see that though Dean Malenko talking about midi-chlorians his midi-chlorians were off the scale and he might fulfill that prophecy if you know that song tweet in so let's move on to Ric Flair with Asia and Arn Anderson versus Woo! Roddy Piper for presidency of WCW. That bit of it was really downplayed. Yeah. Now that you P- say it. Piper kind of mentioned it in like the go-home show. And but just, no, even just in the match. It didn't feel as grandiose as like, I'm going to lose power of Yeah, it really just company. felt like a match. Yeah. And maybe huh. it's because they knew what the ending of the match was. But and just to add to the weirdness and lameness, only one half of Flair's pyro goes off. Yeah, his pyro for this was really sad. And to add to the pyro, the audience did not pop. No. The audience was so dead. Like, I think that they are just exhausted by the the show that they've gotten thus far. It's also like, Flair hasn't been super interesting. No, he hasn't. But, you know, leave it to Baltimore to really show you how they feel. Like, if they don't like something, they are not going to fake it. I was really hoping for an Arn Anderson turn during this match. I was too. Once you said it, like we, we did our predictions at the beginning of the match of like, what do you think is going to happen? And you put that idea in my head. I was like, God, that'd be cool. Yeah. Of like Arn getting fed up with Flair and the way he does shit. And it's like, nope. Okay. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hand the keys over to Roddy Piper because you're doing shit and you shouldn't be in charge anymore because you're ruining everything. That would have been great. That would have been good storytelling. I think the issue with that is. It's good storytelling. Well, that and like. (laughs) If Arn does that, Arn needs to have a match, and Arn's retired. But he did some. He did a good move in this. Arn does one move now. He Sorry, he does two moves. He does the tire Arn, and he does the, the spine buster. And the Glock. <laughs> he saves that one. 
Like, look, you can't do it in every show. You know, it's like, it's like oh, it's WrestleMania. Then he'll bring do, the Glock out. He'll bring the Glock out for that. It's a special Glock. It's like Cesaro doing the fucking like, air raid spin or whatever. It's like Arn brings it out, massive pop. Oh my god. Yeah, it would be a massive pop, wouldn't it? It's Brock Lesnar doing the shooting star press. He can only do it once, and then management has to be like, don't do that again. Don't ever fucking do that again. It's a little dangerous. <laughs> a little bit. So Roddy Piper comes out, no top on him. Breaking his mother's heart. I was confused by Ric Flair's attire because I thought I was getting tipped off, but then it just looked like it might have been going for the America theme because mm-hmm. he's rocking the red trunks. Which you told me is a tell. Yeah. That he's going to lose. But then he's rocking the blue knee pads. So it might have just been patriotism. Yeah. USA. Wait, is, is, you're right. This, I keep wanting to call this Bash of the Beach. Great American Bash. It's not on the 4th of July, so I forget that America is part of this. I mean, yeah, it's called Great American Bash. Though. I know, because I keep wanting to call it Bash of the Beach. That's next month. Stop calling things a bash. There's another word. Well, a couple years from now, WWE will put on these shows, and then we'll change the name to just The Bash. It's not why. I don't know. That's lamer. On commentary, Bobby talks about Roddy Piper. He's like, he wants the job. And I'm like, are you, yeah. are, you ex- no, like, are you exposing the business? Or are you like, oh, he wants to job? I didn't get that. I wasn't sure. I was like, mm. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe. We get the expected stuff from these two. Strikes, not a lot of bumps. Flair yeah, just keeps low-blowing Piper, and Randy Anderson's like, did you just low-blow him? I was like, no, no. Nah, nah. Piper pulls on Flair's trunks, and Flair gets his ass out for a while, and is just like running around. Like, yep. With his ass out. <laughs> of course he does. I mean... We just watched that um, documentary episode with uh, Shawn Michaels and his ass was out the entire freaking time. These men love their asses. Flair kicks out of a pin attempt and then goes up top, but literally gets caught before he's even all the way climbed to the top rope. It's like, he's like, has yeah. one foot on like the bottom rung and it's like, nope, you're caught now. It's like, okay, yeah, Jesus. I guess so. We get a sleeper from Piper, which like is his finisher. Gets no reaction. I'm telling you, this audience does not care about this show. I'm really curious how much tickets cost. Because that'll also depend how the audience will react to stuff. If the tickets were $5, yeah, they're not going to give a shit. They just wanted something to do that night. If there were $60, maybe they'll want to like actually pay attention and enjoy what they're seeing. Flair hits the knuckle weapon shot, which isn't brass knucks. It just looks like tape. So I don't know what the it hell it's supposed to be. It did look like to. tape. But they called it brass yeah, knucks. Yeah, we, we've seen, we've been yeah, over this. It's not, we can't get into it again. The knuckle spot. So he hits it behind the ref's back, but then takes too long to get the pin, so Piper kicks out. Flair then locks in the figure four close to the ropes, and Arn tries to like, assist him from the outside, pulling the arms, until Buff Bagwell comes in and hits Arn. Buff then gets in the ring and attacks Flair, causing a DQ. It's like, oh, Buff's an idiot. Buff is an absolute idiot. So... Piper then hits Buff, and it seems to be like, dude, what the fuck? You cost cost me the match. Yeah. And then Flair and Arn just join Piper in beating down Buff, and there's no animosity between Flair and Piper now. And I'm like, what the fuck? So is Roddy Piper, like, teaming up with Ric Flair now? That's that's what commentary was indicating. No. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No. But. There was a funny part in this match that I forgot to point out. There was a point where um, Rick kind of, like, got pushed out or rolled out of the ring. And he, like, went and kind of, like, walked around. And Asia came up to him and gave him the, like, lightest little kiss. And, like, she wasn't into it. He wasn't into it. It was just, like, and then, like, he walked away. It was really sad. Oh, we missed the Arn Anderson spinebuster during the beatdown of Buff Bagwell. Oh, yeah. 
this was a lame match and a confusing post-match. Yeah. We'll see if we get any clarity on next Nitro. I think you have to. If you're smart, if you're a good producer or a good showrunner, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Piper was already starting to get annoyed with the young talent. He was, you know, he did have a little bit of a heel tendency being like, oh, people are just coming out and complaining about not getting shots. It's like, yeah, he, he is he is basically part of the wrestling 1% here, so. <laughs> I mean, you say that they have to come up with like a clarity angle for this, to which I ask you, Nick, who's driving the White Hummer? I'm, I'm sure we'll find that any day now. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't keep talking about it if there wasn't a plan. You're right. You're right. I was holding my faith. So, speaking of things um, with strange and confusing endings. Oh my god, I'm so excited for this match. <laughs> we get Rick Steiner versus Sting in a non-title grudge match, Falls Count Anywhere, which I thought telegraphed this that Sting was going to win. Yeah, same. Like, like oh. this was going to be like a Sting basically squash match. Because it's a non-title match, I'm like, oh, you can have Rick Steiner lose and not worry about changing the belt. Yeah. So obviously Sting's going to win. We do get a video package for this one with music. Yeah, so I guess this is where you pointed out that the other ones didn't have music. Because you're like, ah, oh, this sounds right. And in the package, we get a Tank Abbott sighting. I mean, it's the same thing we saw earlier. Yeah. But like, oh my god, it's him. But then it's like, hey, remember Tank Abbott? He's not here. Rick Steiner comes out to Welcome to the Rainforest Cafe. Not the B-team music again. Or I guess it was the Wolfpack. He's not even B-team music. Yeah. This is very slow, strike-heavy starting. Yes. Which, same thing for their cage match. These two just don't work well together. They really don't. They don't have any good in-ring chemistry. They think they just have two different of styles, but they don't complement each other. Yeah. Today notes that Sting is the franchise at WCW, and I'm like, wow, you're just blatantly ignoring Goldberg, because they literally had a yeah. match. Over who was the franchise. I remember that, yeah. And here's like, it's Sting. Oh. So do you know what's happening behind the scenes with Goldberg at this moment? We talked about it before. I mean, he's... I know it's he, like contract disputes, but is it still contract disputes? It's a mix of that, and he had like knee surgery, so he's out just for a little bit. I just feel like if it was just the knee surgery, they wouldn't bury him so much. It feels like they are trying to write him out of their show entirely. Because when was the last time we got a mention of him? Probably last pay-per-view. Which was a while ago. Yeah. They brawl around ringside for a while. Not much a note. Sting goes for the stinger splash on the outside, but Rick, but Rick moves, causing Sting to crash into the guardrail. Rick pulls up the mats and then hits a really sloppy, yet very safe-looking pile driver because they just kind of, like, roll back. Yeah, so what was supposed to be an absolutely devastating pile driver onto the exposed concrete ends up being, like, extra padded, extra safe, cozy, falling backwards onto the, like... The doubled up now mat that's like folded over the other mat. So you're just, you're falling on like cushions. Yeah. It's not only give them so much crap for, you know, doing a dangerous spot safe. Yeah. But the same thing they did with Buff where it's like, this should be a killer move. Yes. And it's just like, oh, okay. Next spot. Yeah. Commentary doesn't really seem to give a shit during this match. They do note the missing headgear for Rick Steiner, which I totally missed. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> I will say like maybe an unpopular opinion, at least in 1999 it is. Rick Steiner is the more attractive Steiner brother. I think I might have said it on the podcast before. Rick Steiner is attractive. Oh. Scott is not. We had a rest hold with some obvious chatting. Like, you, even you called oh it out. Oh my god, yeah. They're like, what are we talking about, boys? Were y'all going for dinner after the show? Sting hits a flailing diving splash onto Rick and gets a two. We had two Stinger splashes and then a Scorpion deathlock from Sting, but Rick gets to the ropes. Sting throws Rick to the outside and they brawl towards the stage... And the rest of this match is a fever dream. It's amazing. Don't because, you dare downplay it to a fever no, dream. No, it's a fever dream because it starts off 
with out of nowhere they go over to the wcw.com area oh and who is doing commentary there but fucking chris jericho. chris jericho who we haven't seen in months we, we said goodbye to him already yeah because i'm like oh he doesn't wrestle he doesn't wrestle a match on tv for wcw again he, I can't express to you how much I was gushing when I saw Chris Jericho at that booth. So Jericho is, at this time, doing the last couple house show matches. Yeah. He's, like, teaming with Chris Benoit, too, is a weird oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I would like to see that. Okay. But, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> Chris Jericho's there. I'm sorry, what? I was so, like, I swear I started blushing. I was like, oh, my God, it's Chris Jericho. <laughs> He's still here. I miss him so much. They go back. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, can we talk about how short his shorts were, though? <laughs> you they were the shortest them. shorts. The little jean shorts on Jericho were so short and tiny. He looked like he just got off the beach. His hair was super blonde. He was kind of tan. He looked like he's been having a great summer, even though it hasn't even started yet, you know? Oh, my God. Just seeing him, just like, ugh, I miss him so much. <laughs> so they go backstage to the crowd booing, like, no, wrestle in front of us. Yeah. Tank Abbott is suddenly there and chokes Sting with a towel. And then all of a sudden, two fucking dogs appear. So Scott Steiner is also there, and it's just like, come on, and like calls out fucking two, I guess. They were Dobermans. Yeah, two Dobermans to attack Sting. The editing in this, <laughs> just constant cutting. And it just like, Sting has the towel wrapped around his hand so the dog can bite there. <laughs> there's, there's very clearly like a glove on Sting's hand that they're trying to cover up with the towel to make it look more real. Because the dog is trained to grab the, the glove, not his hand. And then, like, they cut back to the hallway where Scott was, and he's got this big well, Rottweiler, he's so pretty. Well, Scott called them from, like, two feet away. They cut. Scott is now walking down the far hallway with a third dog. <laughs> it's like, wait, how did he get there? And so then... there are two Dobermans attacking Sting, and Scott is walking with a third Rottweiler. Yeah. And these are just the prettiest dogs. <laughs> and then... From you see him, and then it cuts to a shot of WCW security just running backstage somewhere backstage, but even nowhere. Oh my god, yeah, they didn't actually show where they were running to. And then it just cuts to the arena, and that's it. Uh, (laughs) I was so mad when they cut back. I'm like, no, go backstage. Yeah, you were like, oh, clearly they're gonna go back to it. I'm like, no, I think that was it. Like, there was a point where Nick paused so we could gather ourselves. I was like, no, 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 don't pause, don't pause. They're gonna go back. Keep playing. Keep watching. And he's like, no, Em, it's not going back. Yeah, because I, I, when we went back and kind of peeked at it, I think literally from when Tank Abbott kind of chokes Sting with with a towel, it cuts to a very similar looking shot. And I think literally from that point to when people come back out, that's all the pre-tape. They break the editing rules of, like, it, the shot needs to change so much. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, that's a weird edit. That's a weird edit. And there's a lot of them. They lot. use, like, seven cameras for this, it looks like. Oh, my God. But it was such a fucking chaotic segment. It was yeah. amazing. This is what I want a backstage segment to be. Like, before this, my ideal backstage segment was the, um, in WWF, the hardcore 24-7 title where they, like, where um, Hurricane kind of swings in into the like the wall of boxes. Yeah, yeah so that whole segment. 18. That's my favorite backstage segment. But this is close. <laughs> so Emily, I have a thought about this. I have no proof of this, but there's just a gut feeling that uh, in over in Connecticut, Vince Russo saw this and went, "Huh? What if we had a cage surrounded by dogs?" You think this did that? <laughs> 
I don't. I have no proof. No one's ever mentioned it, but I'm just like, I wonder if this planted the seed. Is this match responsible for the kettle from hell? Hmm. Oh my god, but it was so good. Like, this segment brought us back to life. By the way, this segment's not over. No! So we cut back to rings, the, like, in the ringside. The Steiners are coming out, like, with... Like, Scott is, like, holding referee Mickey J. He's like, come on out. And then they get in the ring. And Mickey J, like, calls for the bell. And gives Rick his belt back. And Scott then calls WCW out for not showing the dog attack. Which, you were backstage. You were part of it. How did you see what they cut and didn't How cut? How do you know they didn't yeah. show it, Scott? Scott Steiner's lack of post-production knowledge exposes <laughs> the business. I thought WCW's whole thing was that we're live and we don't do pre-tapes. Hmm... So despite giving Rick the belt back, Scott also bullies the ref into declaring Rick Steiner the winner. They're like, it was Falls Count anywhere, but clearly we won. It's like, wait, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. It was Falls Count anywhere, but you need to have the ref count it anywhere. Yeah. Massive booze for all this. Yeah, if I was in the audience, I'd be pretty pissed too. Rick calls Baltimore the shittiest town in America. Okay, it's not, not censored. You're not wrong, but hey. I don't even know how to... The, the match portion of this was terrible, but... But everything else is amazing. But the best of the worst quality of the dog attack. Oh, just seeing Jericho was just the, the first bit. Yeah. Like, that was the beginning of this. And then the, and then the dogs. And then the highlighters running down the hall at an unknown... Yeah. The highlighter security running down to an unknown subject. Oh my god, it was amazing. I love that chaos. I don't even know how to move on from that. That is why I love wrestling. That shit is why I love wrestling. The, the show tries to quickly move on to the tag title match. There's a promo package for it, and we have to talk about confusing bullshit with the tag <laughs> titles. Because on Nitro... The match started with Chris Benoit and Ric Flair as partners, and then it ended up being Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson for about 10 seconds, and then it ended up with Chris Benoit and Perry, Perry Saturn. Saturn, and they won. So the tag, champ- the tag champions were Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn. Yes, and they were going to do something with this on, apparently on Thunder, but we talked about this, they did not get Flair a plane ticket for that, so Flair didn't get there in time, so... They just had Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit win the titles from ben, from DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow again because they're like, oh yeah, that title reign didn't count. So they just had them win the belts. So between Monday Nitro and Thursday Night Thunder, they gave Benoit and Perry Saturn gave the belts back or it was to like, the Jersey Boys. Yeah, or it was like the start of Thunder. Okay. So there was, so on Monday, Benoit and Perry Saturn won. On Thursday, Benoit and Perry Saturn gave the belts back to on, the Jersey On Thursday, boys. it was decided that didn't count because Perry wasn't part of the match. So at the beginning of so the Thursday ti- show... So, so yeah, that title reign didn't, uh, that started on Monday never happened. So the beginning of Thursday's show, Benoit and Saturn gave the belts back to... Ha- or had given the belts back to the Jersey Boys. And then they had a match on Thunder where they just won again against the Jersey Boys. Yes. So now we are back to where we were on Monday night. Yes, and we're doing the same match again. I beg the question. Why? 
Well, it's actually not the same match because instead of Bam Bam Bigelow, who's out there to manage them, it is DDP and Canyon. Yeah, what? That that's confused me a lot too. It sounds like they're doing the free bird rule, which free I know bird. we talked about before of the if it's like a trio of guys any yeah. two cuz well, for, I think commentary mentioned that. Yeah, cause, well when we talked about it, it was like anybody in the NWO can defend the tag team titles, <laughs> which is a bit much. A little um, Weird music for Benoit and Saturn. The lighting made me think it was like Saturn stuff, but I don't remember hearing this theme for him. They also get Brian Nobbs' nameplate show up for about oh a half God. second. They get Brian Nobbs' nameplate showing up, and then they don't get a nameplate of their own. A Chris Benoit, Harry Saturn nameplate never appears. On commentary, Tony tries to put over the sting dog angle, and it's like, oh, we'll have an update eventually. I don't even know if they do. No, they don't. I will give them a little bit of credit, though. I did notice... That um, back to that match, that Sting's um, face paint was pretty equally rubbed off when they went backstage for the pre-tape segment. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that was the one thing that I was like, "Oh, this could be the continuity error. If he has a full face of paint, then there's no way that it's real." But it was rubbed off just enough that it's like, I don't know, so it worked. Anyway, back to the tag match. Benoit and Saturn clear the ring early on, and Canyon tags in DDP, so Benoit tags in Saturn. Like, there's some sort of... Yeah. Yeah. The partners keep coming in when they're not supposed to in this early on, and it was just mm-hmm. it was kind of sloppy. Champions both hit belly-to-belly suplexes on the challengers, which I think was supposed to be synced up, because they do it like a yeah. little... T- it's one after the other, but it's a little too close in time, where I'm like, I think that I, was supposed to be I agree. I think simultaneous. Because they did it simultaneous once, and it looked sick. So I just don't think that they have gotten back to that moment of glory. Bam Bam distracts the ref as the heels work over Benoit. And we get a chant in this match, which is constant and just annoying. <laughs> you were losing your mind. Because I was like, it, it sounds like something else at first, because it's, it's them going like, Canyon, Canyon, Canyon. Sucks! Yeah, it's like, and then they just keep doing that. Yeah, and it's always three, and it's just like... But it's, it's so slow. And it's the whole match. They never got the cadence quite right. Baltimore's not a great crowd. Sorry, guys. Although we will be there on the 27th. I'm so excited! We're going to see the WWE Holiday Tour on December 29th, and I'm pumped! So, Canyon kind of gives him a look, trying to like garner a reaction, and they just they give him nothing. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. We get a bridging German from Benoit, set out powerbomb from DDP, and Canyon misses a diving moonsault. Saturn gets the hot tag and cleans house, including a diving splash. Canyon hits an electric chair like face buster behind the referee's back. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Looking. Yeah. The heels then work over Saturn, building a hot tag back to Chris Benoit. Aloha Canyon leads to a tag to DDP, and Canyon then kind of gets Saturn into like a, a cradle kind of pin... Like, tucks his body for DDP to come off the top rope and hit a diving move. It's like, oh. That was pretty cool. It's a weird, like, you know, jam him up move kind of thing. Canyon then hits a sit-out dominator. And I'm like, what? Mm. Not a notable move. Not a really reaction. I'm just like, we we watched the dark side of the ring for Canyon. People were like, oh, he did all these cool moves. I'm like, yeah, but when you you do them and it, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Canyon's so handsome, though. I just kept thinking that in this match. Like, he has such pretty eyes and pretty hair. He kind of looks like... Um, so I was thinking about this. This is a tangent. But he looks like um, a kinder, softer Fenrir Greyback from Harry Potter. 
Like, if Fenrir Greyback was in his human form, I feel like that's what Kenny would look like. Yeah. You don't know. But anybody listening that knows what I'm talking about, like, I, I see it. He, he looks like a friendly werewolf. I don't know. I think I said that when we were watching it, too. He's so handsome. I know I'm not his type, but he's handsome. I wrote here, I'm so sick of that chant. <laughs> yeah, you could not let that chant go. We do the missed hot tag spot again with Chris oh Benoit. God. It's like, guys, talk about each other's matches. Like, either talk about them or watch the other matches. Benoit then does get the hot tag and the crowd doesn't care. No, They're this crowd is bad, man. Benoit, go home. Benoit hits triple Germans ending in a bridge, but DDP breaks it up. Benoit then hits a dragon suplex, which is like a full Nelson suplex kind of thing, on Canyon. And Canyon either kicks out late or DDP was supposed to bring it up. It was kind of... It was kind of weird. Yeah. Like, the timing felt off. Like, DDP reached in, and he just didn't have enough reach to actually break yeah. it up. So, it was kind of strange there. Benoit hits a diving headbutt to Canyon, but DDP catches a flying Perry Saturn with a diamond cutter. It's like, oh. That was pretty cool. Like, going full Randy Orton. That was that could have been a like more spectacle of a move if the camera caught it. Yeah. Because we were in the wide, hard camera for that. Yeah. Dean Malenko then comes out and tries to help Perry Saturn, which distracts the ref from seeing Chris Benoit hit the crossface on DDP. So Bam Bam Bigelow comes in, and he and DDP hit like an assisted diamond cutter, mm-hmm. and the heels win. They're back to being champions. This belt swapping is so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Th- so after the match, the Jersey Triad attacked Dean Malenko, so you know it was an accident. Like, oh, he wasn't actually trying to distract the ref with Perry Saturn, which I thought was important to see. Because I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Considering you just did a swerve of one of these guys' buddies turning on him. Yeah. It's like okay, th- yeah, you need to th- make sure they're it's not the with him. Exact same. Because it also did look like it could have been blatant. It just it was just been. more bad refing. Well, yeah, no, just the ref is an idiot. Yeah. Again. I, I thought this match was unfortunate. I, I wasn't that into I this match. I was expecting this to be match of the night. Yeah. I was really ready for this to be the match of the night, and it just wasn't. Well, There's I, I, a lot to it. I don't know about that. It might have well, been match of the night, but. It wasn't as like, oh, this is obviously match of the night. It's it's match of the night by default. It wasn't a go watch this match. No, that, I don't think there are any of those in the show, which is sad. Yeah. Go watch that segment, though. Yeah. Well, what are you telling me? This is our, our our main event isn't worth watching? I didn't say it's that. It's now time for our main event. It's Randy Savage with Team Madness versus Kevin Nash for the WCW title. Woo! And holy shit, it's Michael Buffer. Yeah! We were really excited. Let's get ready to fucking rumble. Fucking yeah, we're going to wrestle! The girls actually do come out from the stage. But they come out from the opposite side that Randy Savage does. And I'm so just like, still why? they're coming out together. Why not? Nash comes out kind of limping. And he he has some weird selling in this match to put over the White Hummer angle. It doesn't look like he's injured. It looks like he's tired. I forget who is on commentary. It's like, oh, with fractured ribs and bad knees. <laughs> it's Michael Buffer. That's how he introduces oh, Kevin it? Nash. Michael Buffer said that. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> With fractured ribs and bad knees. Kevin Nash. Commentary notes that the elbow drop is officially legal. So I'm like, again, why ban it? And, you know, the injured man that Kevin Nash is, he just dominates early on. Yeah. But his moves kind of hurt him. They're a little sore. Nash takes 
maybe two bumps in this match, depending on how you want to describe bumps. There was bumps. one, like, pseudo bump. So, there's one where he gets clothesline over the top rope. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of pseudo bump. Yeah. Medusa kicks him on the outside a few times. It's like, hey. That's not really. Savage boringly works over Nash with kicks and punches and... Eh. <laughs> we get a low blow to Savage directly in front of the ref. I'm like, DQ? DQ? <laughs> you really should have a soundbite for the fucking DQ. And in... What is more of a bump, kinda, Miss Madness gets on the top rope and hits a missile dropkick to Kevin Nash. I'm so happy that she's actually, like, getting at least one move in a show. Yeah, who actually bumps for it, followed by a diving elbow drop from Randy Savage. Like, oh shit, that's the finisher, that's it. Right. Nash kicks out. Nope, never mind. Nash hits Snake Eyes, Big Boot, gets his tits out, hits the jackknife. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh. That's it, that's okay. done, we're done. The women then come in and attack Nash, who just kind of throws them around. It's like, yeah, it does. It's not like, oh, it's it's a woman. It's like, nope, fuck you. Just yeet. <laughs> and before he can do anything else, because the DQ has not been called no. for here. You know, it absolutely should have been. All of a sudden, Sid Vicious shows up and attacks Nash for the DQ, including hitting a fucking powerbomb on seven-foot-tall Kevin Nash. Yeah. Commentary speculates that maybe it was Sid behind the, the the wheel of the Hummer. That'd be interesting. Which would make sense. Yeah. But apparently that's not the case. No. I don't know how. I just know because it's a mystery, it's clearly not Sid. So how long has it been since we've seen Sid on TV? Because um, this is supposed to be like a big return, right? In in WCW, it's it's been a while. Was because, he on WWF before this? Yes. Yeah, so oh, so this is a like. Well, no. Inter-company we, thing? Well, we saw Sid in, in the in the meantime. Because Sid leaves WWE kind of mid-97. Okay. He then kind of doesn't do much in note. Goes to ECW for uh, okay. like a show. Because we saw him. Because I, I knew we had talked about him on this podcast. I just couldn't remember which company it was with. Yeah. And then comes back to WCW. Because the last time he was in WCW... He got fired for um, getting into a fight with one of the other wrestlers. Yeah. He got into a fight with Arn Anderson. Did he pull the Glock on him? He probably should have because they got into a fist fight and Scissors got involved and Sid stabbed Arn Anderson like 26 times. What the fuck? Oh, let me find the actual number. He stabbed Arn Anderson with scissors? Yes. 1993. Like crafting scissors? Yeah. I literally only know Sid Vicious as the absentee father to a Big Brother alumni. And um, maybe it's a good thing that he was an absentee father if he stabbed a guy fucking 26 times or however many the number is. Okay, apparently the number is somewhere between 20 to 30 times. Fuck me, man. (laughs) Uh, Apparently Arn was not consulted on bringing Sid back. Oh, so Sid just showed up. Well, I mean, they hired him. It wasn't just like... Well, in the eyes of, of Arn Anderson, he just showed up. Oh my God, I'd be concerned if I was Arn. I'd be very concerned if I was Arn Anderson. Yikes. Apparently they're on good terms now. How? How? I don't know. If someone stabs you 30 times, how are you on good terms with them less than 10 years later? I'm saying now is in whatever the hell this article still, is. Still. Yeah. Fucking still. If you stabbed me in 1993, I'm not talking to you in 2021. No. Um, 
And it's not just a once, like, oops. Like, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what it was? Sorry. I, I, miss, I missed it earlier. Sid is Jar Jar. He was so clumsy. He, he just tripped and stabbed Arn Anderson 26 times. Jesus. Oh, God. He ran into my scissors. He ran, he ran into my scissors 26 times. He had a coming. I would say thoughts on the match, but I don't think it matters. It doesn't. It's a bad match. Um, Medusa was looking patriotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great American Bash uh, did not do a great number. It was down from the previous month. Slamboree 99 did 195,000 buys. How many do you think this one did? 160. A little north of that, 185,000 okay. buys. So... Four months ago, they did 485. Oh, my God. Yep. How the mighty fall. Let's see. What did they do the year before? The year before was 290. Still not great, but like, oof. See, the real test is next month because Bash of the Beach has become like a milestone show for them. Has it? Yeah, just because big stuff kind of always seems to happen. Like, the NWO forming happened at Bash the Beach. Oh, okay. And so after that, they tried to have that be like a yearly anniversary. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see what's coming up with that uh, next month. Thoughts on the show as a whole? Underwhelming, except for that one segment. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing made me want to die. No, that's the thing. Like, I wasn't a slog. Like you said at the beginning, it was not a slog to get through, but it was not exciting. Yeah. There's nothing... I don't think there's even anything on this show worth really checking out. I mean, maybe maybe for the absurdity of oh, it, you the gotta dog watch segment. segment. You got to watch that segment. Well, I guess let's move on to best bit and MVP. Emily, what's your best bit? Gee, I wonder. <laughs> I think we're the same best bit. It's the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> it's seeing Chris Jericho again. It's Chris Jericho's yeah, tiny, I, I tiny shorts. I think literally, for, yeah, like, once you see Chris Jericho to... When they come back out, that's the best bit. Yes, that is absolutely the best bit. Emily, who is your MVP? You know, after talking about it, I'm going to give it to Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart? Yeah. Who did you have before? Who did you take it away from? Jericho. Jericho? (laughs) Oh, God. Because he made me happy for a minute. Give it to Jimmy Hart. Okay. Jimmy Hart really, like, came out in that match, and he made Brian Knobs shine. Jimmy Hart is good. He's, He's been weirdly, like just looked over in terms of the history of wrestling especially in like wrestling music just no one really talks about him no true but like he is what i think a manager should aspire to be like there's jimmy hart and then there's paul Heyman. they are very different ends of the spectrum but i think they're both like they do their jobs well okay they make their quote-unquote clients look good well do i need to ask what your best bet is no yeah my best bet is, is is the dog okay so what's your mvp you know what? Just because I, I wasn't ready for him and I was so excited to see him. I'm even mind to Sid. Really? Yeah. Like the stabby guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the master and ruler of the universe, Sid. Oh my god. Okay. I, I, I'm excited to see him. Find whatever shining light you can in the show. <laughs> I just wasn't ready to see him and I was like, I was convinced that Randy Savage would win the title because they gave him a perfect, you know... They gave oh, Kevin Nash a perfect out. Yeah, who won that match? Oh, it was a DQ. Oh, right, okay. So, but technically Kevin Nash won by DQ. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, Sid! Oh, shit! Right. Something! People are coming in. I feel like this will lead to stories. Fing- fingers crossed. I know Sid is apparently about to go on a bit of an undefeated streak. 
and I say a bit of a very intentionally. We'll get there. We'll get there. Now he's got to go on to bash at the beach. Another bash. We love our bashes. But that's the next pay-per-view. Not the next episode. Next episode will be the June 14th Monday Nitro. We're slogging through. Yeah, we'll try to get that one out before the year's up. We'll see if we can. I think we can. But uh, thanks for listening to the Christmas episode. It didn't didn't very much feel like a Christmas episode. No, tis the season, though. Apparently we were bad this year because we had nothing but coal. Oh, not Michael Cole, though. No. Nick, where can they listen to us? They can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod, as well as Instagram with the same handle. And you can follow us on Facebook at Butts in the Seeds Podcast. Yeah, we're actually getting some followers thanks to us sponsoring the Attitude Era Podcast. Yeah, thank you for everybody that's come aboard. It's been fun to get all the reactions. I was so happy we got to sponsor the episode with, with, with the like culmination of all the journey in the darkness stuff because I made you read that book. Oh, I feel like that should be a bonus episode. Just talking about that book. Part of me wants to read it again, just to like refresh and then talk yeah. about it. Make you read it. Maybe we go on a long trip and we listen to like the audiobook version. And there, there's not it. an audiobook version. I'm sure there's an audiobook there's version. There's not. Look on YouTube. There's somebody that's read it out loud. But yeah, we got the uh, curse. What curse? And then the car just explodes. <laughs> We got that bit. I was so happy. Oh, God. Thank you again for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time.